Do you ever feel like nobody is listening to you in sporting life? Do you watch a team play and think that you could do it better, or that you could manage it better? Do you sit at home and wonder what the people in charge are actually doing? If you can relate to any of these feelings, then stop right there and celebrate, because you've found the perfect outlet to share your opinions and views, the Football Ranter Podcast. Are you Southern Shandy drinkers can get fucked as the North rules the Premier League. Go on, tell me otherwise and the Astrid Bird best stick to OnlyFans as she knows jack about football. Is this how you feel about football? Do you love the North, but hate the South? Is Flop an idiot? Would you drop kick pet? Do you dream of having hair like Arteta? Do West Ham fans remind you of orcs? Does Harry Kane spit a lot? Is the MLS a home for has-beens? If so then Football Ranter is your home. Hello, welcome to Football Ranter. This is Avon. With me, I'm joined by El Chapo. How are we, sir? Doing very, very well, and it's our first show, and I'd like to say thank you to all the listeners. But first and foremost, um, Avon, I just want to drop something on, on the um, listeners here. So this is uh, a football show that's not really about football. It's more, more for the fans, the views, and your um, opinions. It is of it is a mature content type show, so it is for over 18s. If you are easily offended, this is not the show for you. But if you go to footballranter.com, you'll find our WhatsApp details, email details, all sorts of ways to contact us and just share your views and aspirations. But remember, it is for the over 18s. I mean, that was just beautifully put. I don't think that could have been done any nicer. Well done, El Chapo. And joining me in El Chapo, is our reliable and charismatic producer, Dr. Q. How are we, sir? Hello. <laughs> and there we go, charisma in a bottle. I'm sure at some point in the near future we'll be bottling Dr. Q charisma. Can't wait. So keep an eye out on our socials for adverts about that. We're good with that. Today, on the very first Football Render podcast, we are joined by Baz from Through Black and White Eyes podcast. Um, Baz is a Newcastle fan, he's a podcast host, he has his own show, he is a very, very respectful man who knows a lot about football and of course Newcastle United. Um, so coming up we're going to ask him a lot of questions about you know, what he does, we're going to be finding out a bit more about his thoughts about Newcastle but also football in general. There, um, there's some very interesting topics around uh, conspiracy theories as well, um, so do keep an eye out for that one. Uh, anything else we should be knowing about beforehand, Dr. Q? Well, if I remember rightly, there is the Mbappe, is he all that conversation. Um, there's also uh, what would he like to get rid of out of football? And what football team, and this will become a staple of us going forward, what football team would you make vanish out of existence? Indeed, indeed. So you probably will find over our shows that we do ask certain questions because we like to see people's answers. Um, and we'll compare probably towards the end of our first series if there's any common themes around, if there really is one team that people hate more. Uh, but it's not just teams. We're, we're talking about individuals as well. So if there's someone in, in the football world that people just don't want around, we will also be finding out a little bit about that as well. Um, so is it a good time to um, to get Baz on board? Should we get him on board, chaps? I should say so. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Hello and welcome to another edition of Football Ranter. This is Abom. With us as ever, we've got Dr. Q. How are we doing, Mr. Hello. And today we've got a special guest joining us um, from Through the Black and White Eyes podcast. We've got Baz. Baz, welcome to Football Ranter. How are we doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having us. It's a bit different. Oh, I want to say a special guest, though. Maybe just guest. <laughs> well, we can always edit the special out if you want. But, I mean, I'm going to stick with special, first of all. <laughs> So I've had a look at the stuff you've done, um, you know, and there's some great stuff on there. So really good to get you on board and, and have a chat about, about football, really. And, uh, you know, see if there's anything you want to let off steam. So obviously you're a Geordie, you're a Newcastle fan. Yeah. And I mean, I would assume that things are OK at the moment. You know, how how's the last 12 months been for you as a fan? It's been surreal. Uh, it's probably the best way to describe it. You know, we were facing relegation, hadn't won a game. Steve Bruce was in charge at Christmas and then suddenly anyhow comes in. Everyone says it's money and that's my gripe with everything that Newcastle has been successful with. They say we bought our success sustaining the Premier League by spending a lot of money, which we haven't. 
we bought five defenders for the same price as my United bought Harry Maguire, which tells you how good our business has been. And like we were saying off air, you can advise success. You need someone who can be the controller of that success, like driving a train. A train's on a track, but it'll go off it if there's not a conductor on there and, and, a, and an actual person who knows what they're doing. And Eddie Howe has just been absolutely unbelievable. We've seen little snippets of the programme that's going to be out on uh, Amazon Prime soon, uh, and it makes you fall in love with him even more, the stuff that he's saying in the background that we, you don't get to see in the changing rooms and stuff like that. And uh, our owners have been fantastic. I know there's a lot of you know, people outside of Newcastle aren't happy that Saudi Arabia are involved in football and the way they're taking all the players over to the Saudi League. But for us, having Mike Ashley, who by all means has probably some of the worst human rights records ever himself, uh, when you hear about some of the things that have happened in his stores and things like that, it, uh, it's they've literally rescued us. And that's the best way to put it. If we had gone down, we were not coming back up this time. I think we would have done a Sunderland and gone further down. See, that's an interesting thing you just mentioned. So basically, the Saudi government has rescued you from Sports Direct. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much what's yeah. happened now. I mean, I'd never thought I'd actually say that line, but <laughs> it's pretty much true. Um, what you say about Eddie Howe is really interesting because I I, I was really shocked when Bournemouth sacked him because I thought how much, you know, I, I understand why because it was kind of that period where I think he kind of took them as far as he probably could. But I still thought he'd done a very, very good job there, you know, Mm -hmm. and I thought he was a bit harshly done by. But obviously he's proven out very well for Kim and very well for your club, you know, since then. So obviously everything works out for a reason. So you've told me all the good stuff that's going on with Newcastle. Mm -hmm. You've had a really good year, really positive at the moment. Just touch on the Eddie Howard stuff that you said there. Because, yes, he did an absolute incredible job with Bournemouth. But he was one of the reasons why they went down because he wouldn't change his diversity in his play. He had plan A and plan A and plan A. What Eddie Howe has done that is so magnificent is when he got sacked, he took a year to a year and a half out. He went to the likes of Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, learned off Simeone, learned off Pep. You know, he's educated himself and come back as an unbelievable manager now. He now has a plan B, he now has a plan C which he never had in the past. He does seem like a real student yes. of the game. Not to not to yes. sort of piss on your parade a little yeah. bit there, but there's also, there's also another manager who done that, who yeah. went away and learned, Phil Brown. And look what happened to him. Well, <laughs> we always remember that bollocking on the pitch, don't we? <laughs> no, that's a fair point, though. That's a, that's a fair point about it. Yeah. Old, old yeah. Sandalwood. <laughs> so, again, you, you told us the good stuff, right? Yeah. Is it all good, though? Is there anything at the moment about, you know, the Mighty Magpies that's not quite right for you, that's not sitting right, that, you know, you know, it's just something in the back of your mind that's just not quite comfortable for you? Uh, I mean, Twitter fans, <laughs> they're a bit annoying to they're them. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Uh, the one thing I hate the most about our football club is Twitter's our owners were so engaging they've then kind of given this kind of right or the feel they've given a right to these fans to then just go at them and argue with them in front of every other fan base as well Sunderland fans are loving it my united fans are loving it man city fans are loving it because they see us into fighting with each other and that's probably the worst thing i hate about our success now is that a lot of fans have i mean i call it success we haven't won anything but we finished fourth you know we've got money but they think we've got an unlimited amount of money to go out and just buy who we want. And we can't because of FFP and, and all this sort of stuff. You've got to balance the books. So that's probably my biggest gripe, and especially with this latest thing with the tickets. I don't know if you saw it in the last 48 hours, the memberships. So I'm, I'm a member. I don't have a season ticket any, anymore. And about five days ago, they said, right, we're going to put uh, – options for members to, to come back in again. And I was a member last season and we went in a massive queue. We all fought for tickets and whoever got to the front of the queue got the tickets first. It felt like, you know, it was the right way to do it. It was randomly chosen. Then we found out people who were very good with computers could manipulate the queue, get in front of it and get tickets. So they decided to try and change it. And uh, it didn't go down very well. Uh, I thought members from last year and the year before probably should have been given a bit of loyalty and that's just my opinion because i'm a member and i'm probably sounding a bit biased but 
they then said one per person it's got to be an electronic on your device now on your smartphone your ticket's got to be downloaded to you so you can't pass it on or sell it on or, or do whatever you want with the ticket which again can be a good thing but can also be a bad thing and then they said that when you get put into a ballot because they changed it into a ballot format you could be selected any seat in the ground at any price so from £44 to £74. So if you're someone who's not earning as much, saves hard, is on a budget, saves a budget for, say, £45 a ticket, they could then be slapped with a £74 ticket without even having the option to do it. And the money comes straight out of your bank account as well. So it went, it went viral. Everyone was arguing about it. I tweeted out saying, well, why don't they try and change it, you know, you choose which ballot you want to go into for what price range. So you can have £44 to £54 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And within 24 hours after the absolute onslaught the owners got, they came out the next day and changed it to the idea that I said, even though other people had the idea as well, I'm not claiming it was my idea, but they went with the idea of... I didn't realise you had an influencer on the show. <laughs> well done. But uh, it got picked up by a few people on Twitter and retweeted and stuff like that. But it makes sense. I mean, I know that, you know, what you've mentioned now, I hadn't heard that about Newcastle specifically, but I do know a couple of other clubs this summer through, you know, personal contacts who have had similar issues where clubs had issues with ticketing last year, tried to change it. Mm. From my point of view, there's always going to be issues. Now things have gone electronic. Yeah. There's always going to be, like you mentioned, people who can set up bots to buy loads of tickets when they go on sale. You're never going to get fully away from that now that it's gone electric. You know, back in the day, I remember my first season tickets, you got a bit of book in the beginning yeah, of the season. Yeah, rip it off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you wanted to give it to a friend or family, you, you did it, it you know. You pass it on now. And then it went to, obviously, like you said, the little credit card credit type card thing. Things, yeah. You know, um, and I know from my, my club, there was issues with, you know, people were selling them, which were actually ones that had expired and stuff like that, the touting. So then they went down the route of the electronic only, but then you are alienating certain fans because even though most people do have smartphones, there are still people out there who don't. Um, You know, so then they're forcing people to pay extra for a hard copy season ticket, which again is ridiculous. I don't think there's any real solution to the problem, but I think it is a massive problem because touting around Premier League especially is horrendous. You can tell, like, you know, there was instances last year that were publicised that tickets were sold out for games, but on the black market, you know, on StubHub and that, going for four, five hundred pounds for a game. Yeah. How did they get these? But not just one or two, they're getting hundreds. Yeah. It's I, I don't see a way around it. I mean, I, I like your suggestion there, and it's good that your clubs listen to you, really. Yeah, so it's, most clubs wouldn't. Everyone's a member, whoever's a member chooses one ballot they want to go into, so there's they, they pick a certain price range. If you pulled out the hat, you've got a ticket, fantastic. If you're not, it's tough. Move on to the next game and try again. Uh, the other thing about uh, away tickets, that obviously went viral as well. They're now given 100 tickets to season ticket holders to apply for, where normally they have the point system, don't they? And the thing that they're trying to clamp down on now is, and I know people do this, the people buy tickets to keep their points up and then sell yeah. the ticket straight away. So they can keep buying the away tickets that they want to go to, but they won't be going to all of the 100% of the away games. So they're now trying to do ID checks and all this sort of stuff. I don't know how, you know, I don't, Burnley, are Burnley going to do that? Check all Newcastle fans going into a ground? I don't think so. Of course they don't. They don't really care. No. As long as they're getting money through the door and people exactly. on the seats look good. I mean, but it's, I mean, you, you go to St. James's yeah. Park a lot, Baz, and... We have seen down south for as long as I can remember. You walk to the ground, there's people selling tickets yeah. on the corners. Have you ever seen one of them pulled up? Well, I, I usually haven't. see them right next to the police as well. Mm. That's the irony. Well, this yeah. is this is what I mean. Uh, you know, it, it's I'm not aware of. You know, if they really mm. wanted to get rid of tickets out as they could get yeah. rid of ticket towers, but they I don't think they yeah. do want to. There's not many at St James's Park to be fair. I don't I've never really walked past one to be honest with you. Maybe they're in a certain area that I don't know about. But I've been I've oh jeez yeah. yeah I mean I'll give you a real story actually. I was mm. about two years, maybe three years ago I was at a game 
and my mate had a few a few jars and he was he's, he's quite outspoken anyway he ain't really scared and there was you can spot touts a mile away can't you oh, they yeah. all look like they look like they've been plucked from the 80s really <laughs> put back into society in, in, in the modern times but you could see him a while away and this like he's going oh look there's a tout and literally it was outside the tube station and a tout there tout there and there's coppers outside the tube station so my mate goes up to the copper and says, sorry, um, that's why he's bothering you, but you're not going to do nothing about these people touting for tickets. It's not why we're here. Yeah, exactly. Like, so they're not denying that they know they're there. Mm. And actually, so he was like, well, what do you mean that we're not here? We're, we're here for to make sure people are getting in and out of the station, okay? Mm. We're not here to deal with touts. That's someone else's responsibility. And like, you're the police. It's like, talk about turn a blind eye. Mm. The touts must know that, otherwise they wouldn't be doing it in so such broad daylight. But exactly. You would have thought well, the police could just take a video of it and then nick them later on if they want. I mean, it's... it's it cameras on yeah, exactly. anyway, I remember yeah. going to the cricket. Obviously, it's a completely different sport, but I went to the Ashes at Headley uh, when Ben Stokes did that crazy knock and won the game. And I couldn't believe I was walking past people and they were like, can I buy a ticket? And obviously, there were touts. And I was just like, get on your bike. But they were selling them as well. I was like, no way, it's cricket. You know, yeah. taking advantage of everything, music as well, they do it. I've seen them outside of the big stadiums selling the tickets and trying to buy them and flog them on for more money. It's just, I don't know how you stop it, but it, it, they need to do something. I don't know how either. I've had it recently with the NFL. I'm a big NFL mm. follower. And when, NFL, when the NFL first came over to London, you could easily get tickets. It was mm. great. Now, you, you've got no hope. You sit in the queue, and then again, they go on sale on the resale site the day after for five, six times the price. It's yeah. like, come on. Something's not right. I know it's Newcastle really are trying something good, which is they're trying to set up a resettled website for our own fans. So if you can't go to a game, you can sell the ticket on our own website at face value. So that's quite a good thing. But again, it's the seller's got to want to sell it for face value to another Newcastle fan. That's the what you'll probably find that is Newcastle will probably still pay a nice little fee for that as well. Oh, probably. But at least it yeah. would be regulated. Exactly. And it'll be cheaper. It would be probably three hundred percent cheaper than what it would be buying it off a towel. And the money stays with the club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the money stays with the club. They know they're getting a proper fan there as well. Yeah. I think for the sake of, you know, a, a couple of percent fee, it's safer for people buying. Mm. And even you, if you're selling your ticket, your season ticket holder, it's more secure for you because yeah. you don't want someone who's not a member potentially getting in your seat causing problems and stuff or selling it on again yeah you know getting your seat a bad name i agree with that i think it's a good idea i mean i, I don't know of a few clubs down south who do have a resale site in play but they do charge stupid fees for it yeah. i mean so i used to i used to take my wife to Stamford bridge she was yeah. a chelsea fan and uh used to dread fa cup third round because it would be a, a fact of basically everyone who either hasn't got a season mm. ticket or managed to get cheap tickets and stuff like that. I mean, there was one in particular we went to, I think it was Chelsea Macclesfield, and there were people just wandering around, sitting wherever <laughs> they wanted. And you're just like, and I'm looking at the stewards going, you're yeah. not going to do anything about this. And it, it felt, you know, my first games I remember going to, I mean, way back, like early mm. 90s, late 80s, it felt like yeah. that, you know, that thing where you would be in the ground and you didn't feel yeah. safe. And you're like, this ain't right. Like, I ain't paid this money to to sit here and think that if this guy's going to come and shout in my ear because he's coked off his brain, I'm going to end up in some sort of yeah. trouble. Like, it's just mm. very bizarre. Well, that was just a Macclesfield fan. That was just Chelsea players. <laughs> back in, that wouldn't surprise me back in the 80s, to be fair. Uh, but we've also had other fans in our home ground, in our home section as well. Liverpool fans seem to always get tickets. I don't know how they do it. Friends or family or whatever it is. Steps that you're away in, that's why. Yeah, well, uh, you need an oxygen <laughs> tank when you get there, to be fair. <laughs> Especially if you're going all the way to the top. Uh, I've had a few tickets I've been there. Up, I've, been up, right. yeah. I've been up there. It's not... It's not... It's a great it's, place. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a great, brilliant place. place to watch football. But again, climbing up the steps to the away end, like you just hope that you don't need a pee halfway through. That's the last one. It's even more scary on the way down. Yeah, you don't want to tumble down those stairs. But it's a great view of the coastline, though, when you're in there, especially the Melbourne stand. You can see right out of it. The match is boring. You just start looking at the view. <laughs> I, I 
been up to Newcastle twice to watch football. And i got to say, it is probably one of my favourite football experiences, not just at the ground, but the, the, the city as a whole. Yeah. I found the city to be, obviously, it's a one-club city, which I think adds to it. Oh, massively. I, I also find people just so friendly. Yeah. And obviously, when I'm up in Newcastle with my southern voice, you know, first time I went, I was very nervous. Mm. But I needn't have been. Everyone yeah. was just very friendly, open, wanted to get to know your story. You know, how's your journey up? You know, share a beer with you. Uh, it's still one of my favourite places to visit in the UK, hands down. Mm. I find it a great city and, like, you know, you, you've got a good club up there, definitely. Oh. And it is good to see you, you know, back up the socks. Because I think a club your size in that city, you know, it, it was a shame to see you go kind of back down again. But I, I definitely think you're up there. And if your owners stay, which the Saudis don't seem like they're the kind of people just to walk away from stuff, no. then you, you could be having a place at the top table for quite a few years to come, I'd say. Mm. You know, I, I mean, that was when I was sort of, I suppose, not first getting into football, but when I became really serious about it. And Newcastle, as the old saying goes, was everybody's yeah. second team. And it was because, Entertaining. you know, the way they played. Oh, wasn't it just? Was amazing. It, well, but people always go on about the Liverpool games. Yeah. But that's not what I remember. I remember, like, um, Andy Cole scoring a hat-trick mm-hmm. against Chelsea in 1990. Four, I think it was, and he he scores a near post absolute mm. rocket like past Dimitri Kari and, and St James's Park. Oh, left foot one. Peter Beard. I remember That's that. It, I was yeah. at that game because my dad said, "My dad said you'll have was a shot that? here, but it'll probably trick a through to the keeper." And it, poof. <laughs> oh, it, 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 it was, was an absolute rocket, and I think that was the one that got his hat trick, and it was first mm. half hat trick, I think. And um, yeah, that oh, Peter Beard. Absolutely, I remember Peter Beardsley playing away at QPR around that era, yeah. and people were just standing back of watching him. It mm. was incredible. I think he won about three one, three nil away at QPR in midweek game. I remember watching it just thinking, "This is football. Yeah. Like this is real." Football. I used to really like Rob Lee. Yes. I don't know what I was thinking, but as a player, I thought like he's just class. Like he's seen a nice enough bloke. It wasn't the most, I suppose, you know. Came from Charlton. Yes, Charlton. Charlton, didn't he? Yeah, and then caught there. But I just thought he was such a workhorse. He had a good engine and he could do everything, really. He could score goals, he yeah. could pass the ball, he could get up and down. He was like your first kind of box to box midfielder, yes, I thought. He was, yeah. yeah. I've been very lucky. I actually interviewed him one on one. That was got... one of the best things I've ever done. Les Ferdinand as well. He's really cool. Uh, Sir Les, sorry, Sir Les. But yeah, Rob Lee was, was a very special player. He's probably. If you ask anyone, and you know, I've asked Kevin Keegan, I've met Kevin Keegan before, and I said, who's your best ever signing? And he said, well, for value and for what I got, it's Rob Lee. Because only 750,000. Should have played more for England as well, I thought. Have yeah, he got a few caps and a couple of goals, didn't he? But obviously he was in the era of you know, Beckham and Scholes and all them lot, wasn't he? So it's hard to get in front of them, isn't it? Well, so He was in the Euro 96 squad, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And the thing is, you had what you had, Platt, Gazza, and yeah. and Darren Steve Bellerman. Yeah, Batty would have been there around that Batty time as well. Yeah, I don't, I Batty doesn't go to that one. Is it straight? Yeah, no, it was Collins. Oh, Collins, wasn't it? Yeah, because Batty actually signed for Newcastle, doesn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he signed for us halfway through the season, January window, uh, from Blackburn. We were going to win the title, and we blew it. <laughs> they reckon he was a right crazy bastard. Keegan said he's one of the best defensive midfielders he's ever seen in his life. But he didn't like football. He didn't, he didn't like people either, did he? No, apparently not. <laughs> he, apparently, he just... I uh, remember listening to an interview with um, former Chelsea and Blackburn, Ian Pearce, and mm-hmm. he basically would say he'd sit next to Batty, or Bats as they call him, on the, on the, yeah. on the bus, and he'd say he'd just be sit there like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> waiting to go off and then like and and after and there's a story from Paul Merson as well after the France losing to Argentina on penalties mm. and obviously he misses one of the penalties he pending, yeah. and afterwards you've got Beckham in the in the changing room and he's crying and there's other players that are just distraught and they turn around Dave Batty's just like put his suit on <laughs> it's like, a job, right. I guess it's a job, isn't well, it? To him, it was. Like, yeah. You're right. You're right, bats. Like, yeah. Why? Like, <laughs> it just didn't give a shit. And like, 
and, and there's a part of me that like really admires that. It's just mm-hmm. like it's like this is just something I happen to be good at. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I really. It was like an American that. golfer exactly like that. I can't remember his name, but uh, he literally said, "I play golf to pay to go shooting and fishing. I don't like golf. I'm just good at it, but I go shooting and fishing. That's what I'm. I'm playing playing golf to retire early." Uh, it was Bo someone. I can't remember his... No, I know who you mean. I know yeah, you also played in the Ryder Cup as well for America. But you yeah. literally said, I'm only playing golf to retire early so I can go shooting and fishing. But statistically, that has to be true of like yeah. a certain amount of people in sport. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really good at something, but they're just like, I don't, yeah. really, I don't watch this on a day off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy for an Englishman not enjoy football, though. It's a bit weird, they isn't it? it? They must have to. They must watch it to know what to do. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like they must have to watch some football to have actually know what to do in the first place. Golf, you know, no nonsense, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, with golf, you've got to put so much dedication into it, and how you can't enjoy it and then go play it professionally. I suppose you can enjoy it when the money's rolling into your bank. Yeah. You've got to get, you've got to get there, haven't you? That's the thing, and it's just like. The... Are you sure you're not thinking of Happy Gilmore? <laughs> well, it was it was probably based on that movie. This person, probably, to be yeah. fair, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, going quickly back to what we were saying about their, that mid nineties team with hmm. David Chinola, Les Ferdinand, as we said, probably Peter Beardsley, Beardsley, Philip uh, Peacock, Steve Howey, uh, Warren Barton, John Steve, Beresford, Steve Watson, Steve Watson was a legend. Darren Peacock, goalkeeper, yeah. wasn't it? Turnercheck, yeah. Turnercheck and his lot, but Turnercheck yeah. was the main one. Well, Shaka came from down our way. He was yeah. uh, from Reading, and yeah. um, when he went to Newcastle, so I mean, round here, we because so I, I, I lived down in Basingstoke, and uh, mm. they got to the playoff final against Bolton. I believe it was just like John McGinley, Jason McAteer, Alan Stubbs, all that lot. Mm. And uh, Shaka Hislop was brilliant. So when he went to Newcastle and was brilliant, it was of mm. no surprise to anyone like around yeah. here. And he, yeah, he was a cracking goalkeeper. He mm. really was. Hope but, as well after what happened. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's bad. I think he's all right now. He's all right now. Is that right? I think, I think so. I think he was conscious. Everything was fine. We had to go for more tests or something like that to figure yeah, out why it, it happened. But uh, it's not nice seeing that, is it? It's horrible to see that kind yeah. of thing. You know, I mean, like you know, you could see the the worry about him around. Mm. I mean, obviously, he had a suit on; and it was hot and that was. Yeah. I expect to see that kind of stuff, yeah. Especially how big he is as well. Imagine him falling on you. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, the guy was like a wall. He, he just, but no, it was. It, I mean, to be able to be going up to St James's Park at that time. Mm. That mid nineties and late nineties, two yeah. cup finals, ninety eight, ninety nine. All right, they didn't go. Yeah. UA, but I mean, you're being... worst managers we've ever had as well. They've got us to cup finals. I mean, Doug Leach and uh, and Hullet. Rud Hullet. So, what do you know about that particular situation? Because obviously, I heard a lot about that mm. over the years about how he really was not popular. And oh, I hear, he wasn't at all. I hear the players didn't like him at all, didn't they? Well, I hear he kind of fell into the same category as I've, I've heard stories about Glenn Hoddle in the same way. Mm. Um, I heard it about. Rogers. Yeah, I've heard it about Kenny Dalglish, um, but not necessarily negatively. How they'd mm-hmm. go onto the training field and, like, Rud Hullet, regardless of his attitude, same as Dalglish and Glenn Hoddle, were amazing players. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And they'd play, like, the staff game against, mm-hmm. like, the players. And and just, like, Dalglish apparently was just still by far and away the best player on the pitch <laughs> you just like he'd like play a ball and it he'd be like did you not did you not see what i was doing it's like mm. no because i'm not kenny douglas yeah exactly and and i wonder whether we hull it apparently his arrogance really really puts yes. people the wrong way did, did you ever hear anything from like people in the know about that kind of thing well, it was all to down with Alan Shearer, wasn't it? He came in, Ruth Hullett wanted to be the big man. Obviously, he was never going to eclipse Alan Shearer, was he? And so they had to fall out. He dropped him for the Sunderland game. Benched him, yeah. Yeah, benched him for the Sunderland game with Duncan Ferguson as well. And uh, started Q and Dyer up front, who put us 1-0 up. And then we ended up getting beat 2-1. And apparently the next day, Alan Shearer was ready to go and storm into the office 
<laughs> Duncan Ferguson was already there, absolutely rollicking him. Uh, and it literally was a massive ego, a bit like Brendan Rodgers we mentioned. Have you ever heard, seen the podcast with one of his ex-players? Apparently went in to talk to him. And he just went, Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> Real Gucci. It's just like, what? what? What's that got to do with me playing on Saturday? That's why as an old football fan, I'm kind of a bit sad that it never really worked out for Roy mm. Keane. I mean, for obvious reasons, yeah. obviously why. But there's stories about uh, Ben Thatcher mm-hmm. going into Roy Keane's office and being like, I want a pay rise and this is what I want. And, mm-hmm. and like coming out five minutes later and like... <laughs> being like <laughs> yeah, how'd it go, Ben? Well, no, you know, the, the manager's got a lot of good points. And, <laughs> and it, it apparently just like grabbed hold of him, put him on the table and just like, I, I think you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> But he's cut from the cloth of Alex Ferguson and Brian Clark. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no surprise to me. You know, yeah. No nonsense. But the thing is, I guess it just doesn't work today. You can't... You can't. I think if you look at the managers across the board now, there's not many of them, especially higher up anyway, that you would think would do it. You look lower down the league stuff, and there's probably still a few yeah. who may well take that approach. Cups They're thrown in the dressing room and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but a 24-man squad's never going to get fired. Nah. Exactly. And that's, you know, if you're winning and the manager wants to start acting like that, they can. Because mm, yeah. they've, they've got the, uh, they've got the, the carrot. The glory, it? haven't they? Well, exactly. You know, but even Ferguson, I think part big part of Ferguson retiring was the whole Wayne Rooney deal. You know, mm. he had to give in because he was going yeah. to City. And I don't think he'd ever been in a position before with a player where he had to back down. Yeah, yeah. You know, there'd be many big names before Wayne Rooney. Well, Beckham. Beckham, Beckham, Van Nistelrooy. Um, he sold him, didn't he? As soon as it went that way, Yapstam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Out. Where he basically went, you're not bigger than this club. Off you go. And yeah. you know, he, he was forced. His hand was forced. I mean, let's face it. The, the league that he won before retiring, they never should have won. They didn't have a team that was good enough. No, that was Van Persie. Well, he bought the league that year, didn't he? He bought Robin Van Persie to win the league. He was not thinking about the next five years of Manchester United. He thought, I'm going to spend what I can to win that league that year. And that was it. And then David Moyes got a kick into a highway, didn't he? Because he had no chance. Yeah. That's the problem with that. Like People have a go at Moyes because they say that he took over a championship winning team. But like you just said then, Ferguson knew that were at that limit. Yeah. He knew the team were at the limit. He knew they had one good try. Yeah. He knew that weren't going to happen. So he left at the perfect time for him. Mm. But Moyes just didn't see it. I mean, you know, yeah. Moyes has gone on, thankfully, to prove that he's, he's all right, you know, especially at West Ham and that. But, but what, you're not going to do that job? I mean, what do you do? It's a bit, a bit like with Graham Potter, isn't it? Mm. You know, what, do you not take that job? Yeah. Brent Lampard exactly. before him. You know, it, it kind of... People could turn and go, oh, well, maybe they weren't ready for it or maybe they're going mm. into a situation which wasn't right. Yeah, but you might not get offered that again. Yeah, no, well, exactly. I mean, there's, there's, I wouldn't turn down the job if I was offered it, if I was at, where was he at? Everton at the time, David Moyes? Yeah, Moyes was at Everton. Yeah. Nine years at Everton, weren't he? Yeah. yeah. And, and he's done a great job at Everton as well. And And Everton were more successful in the time that he was there than that he had been since, I think, uh, Joe Royal and Howard Kendall mm. before him. Yeah. Um, you know, Evans. The Champions one. League for them, didn't he, one year? That's right, which, if I remember rightly, they were, like, completely done out of against Villarreal. Yes. Um, and that Villarreal side went on to make the semi-final and get knocked out by Arsenal. And is um, they were a really good side. Really, oh, yeah. really good side. Had some decent players, didn't they? Baines was one of my favourite left backs in the league. Fantasy football points all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nathan Baines always reminded me as if his his name should have been commentated by Mr. T. Nathan like, <laughs> <Leighton> Baines, <laughs> like or Hulk Hogan, something like that. Like, he took all the penalties as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. He was a free kick taker, penalty taker. But he always got down the wing. He was one of those, I would say, more up to date left backs that we see nowadays. I think he was a bit of ahead of his time in a way. Yeah. Uh, he liked to get forward a lot. I liked him. I wish Newcastle signed him. <laughs> so listen, guys, I'm going to change direction a bit. Go on. Because we're talking about so much nice stuff here. It's been great. It's been really good. <laughs> right. Newcastle's doing well. Everything's yeah. going great. So I'm going to step away from Newcastle for a bit now and talk about football in a general sense. Oh, you yes. Know, we all love the game. We, obviously, we all love the game. We, 
we've got our affections for our own clubs, our own, you know, certain players, mm-hmm. even other teams like we just mentioned that we like as our second team. Yeah. But I still think there's something amiss with football right now. Oh, it, you know, you know. So I want to ask you mm-hmm. if there's one thing that you could change. I mean, you obviously you've already changed Newcastle's ticket approach, mm-hmm. so you've proven it can be done. Yeah. Right. So if there is one thing that you can change or you would change about football, what would that be and why? It can be anything at any level. There's probably about three or four things I would change rather than just one, to be completely honest with you. Oh, hell yes. Uh, wage caps, for example. I would definitely change that. I think footballers are far too greedy these days to hold the clubs to ransom all the time. Uh, look at the money that Saudi Arabia are offering. and £700,000 a week. Look at Mbappe. I would, I would literally retire him from football if I could, because he at Paris Saint Germain, he got. I can choose the manager. I can choose who we're going to sign. I, I want this amount of money and this amount of money. I mean, I know he's a good footballer and he did it in the World Cup final, but he's never really done it at the Champions League stage, has he? Turned into a bit of a mercenary, isn't he? Yeah. Paris Saint Germain. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that that club does my head in. To be honest, I with think though, like, imagine about Mbappe. He's a great player. Oh, he is. In this, in the in the modern game, mm. he's got everything. He's yeah. got pace, he's got power, he's skill. You know, he's yeah. got it all. So he's getting the top whack. But he's twenty four years old. Like you just said, he hasn't really proven it consistently at that top level. But he's already thinking about you know money rather yeah. than. Club. He said that Real Madrid is a club he obviously wants to go to, and that's been proven that way. Mm. And it's good in a way that he hasn't gone straight to Saudi like some yeah. people have. But there's something quite not right about him. And I don't know what it is from my perspective. He just doesn't seem like he's in it for necessarily the right reasons. But then some people will say, well, it is a job at the end of the day. Yeah. And he's getting the money when he can. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, Sadio Mane, for example, I mean, what a what a role model he is. The amount of money he sends back home, schools, all this sort of stuff. Do you ever hear that about Mbappe? No. I mean, he might do it, but we don't hear about it. He's commented that he's a, he's a sulky bastard. <laughs> there you go, exactly. But then he's he's kind of you get the feeling that he's got this. Uh... I mean, he's French for a start. Yeah, that, that but doesn't help. I think there's a thing about the brand. You mm. know, I think he's he's very much he wants to be in line with like the Messi brand, the Ronaldo yeah. brand, and he's trying. But they earned it though, didn't they? Messi earned it. They did, yeah. they did. Ronaldo earned it. Ronaldo probably earned it more than Messi, to be fair, because Ronaldo wasn't the finished article like Messi was at nineteen. Messi no. just got better and better and better. Ronaldo was okay, then he just dedicated his life to football, didn't he? I mean, well, he's, he's a yeah. specimen, isn't he? He'd done yeah. it at the, the three top leagues. Yeah, you know, exactly. the one thing we'll. I mean, look for a football. Oh, let's not get into that conversation. No. It, <laughs> Oldest, most tired conversation. Yeah, Messi um, only did it in the Spanish league. I hated me. It's but, just like, just won the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. But then also with Mbappe, you know, World Cup winner, Patrick scorer in a World Cup final. He's played two World Cup finals and a mm. European Championship final. And, you know, he is a great player. But mm. the problem is, is that he, he's. Dirty washing does seem to get aired yeah. quite publicly. Yeah, it's the attitude I don't like about it. The arrogance. You know, he's got that. I don't know. You don't see that with Messi or Ronaldo in my eye. I know Ronaldo's done some stupid things, slapping the phone out of someone's hand and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. There's just something about Mbappe. I would, I would not want him at Newcastle. If we were offered him for free, I would not take him because you'd be, you'd be a bad egg in our dressing room. He won't play the Eddie Howe way. He won't play the high press. He won't do the tracking back. Do you ever see that video where he was making a run down the left left wing and the, so someone passed it out to the other side and he just started walking off? You know, that's the kind of thing you get with Mbappe. It, it's not what I want to see. Mm. Uh, and if he carried on his run, you would have got a tap in from two yards at the back post. You, know, you, can't, you can't play modern football like that. Yeah. You know, even if you look at how PSG were trying to do it with Messi, mm. you can't play football like that because oh. you'll come up against someone like City, where all eleven men are are doing yeah. a job, and you can't do it. You, mm. it's, it just doesn't. The percentages don't work anymore. Yeah. It's a different game. 
And that's why PSG will never win the European Championship, the Champions League, because they've they had at the time, obviously Messi's now left, but three quite, I say, individual players up front. They mm. had Messi, Mbappe and Neymar. Greedy, greedy players. Yeah. Uh, I think Neymar and Messi had quite a good relationship due to the Barcelona days. But well, I think, didn't they have, statistically, when it was only two of them playing, whatever mm. two it was out of the three, they were always better. Yeah. You couldn't have the three because you can't. Three of them never worked. We can't have the same runs, wouldn't they? Well, you can't have three players that don't track back. Just, yeah, exactly. That, that, yeah. that is the whole point. Yeah. You know, you're, you're leaving seven other men to do the job, aren't you? When we look at the best club in the world right now, what you look at, you look at the Manchester City, mm. you know, you've got a man there who it's, it's almost less about the physical skill because it's kind mm. of like, well, that's a given. That should be there already. What yeah. I need is a work rate that mm. is higher than anybody else. And if yeah. you don't do that, Xiao Cancelo, off you go. Yeah. You know? and, and it actually, you know, I don't really like seeing one club win everything because I don't think mm. it's great for the sport. However, the way he does it, I do like it. You know, it, it's no, no, can't argue against it, can you? Because he, he teams very hard. Well, look at Real Madrid. Real Madrid aren't really at the time when they won the European the Champions League, they weren't the greatest team in the world, were they? No. They were hard working. And every man to a dog fought on that football pitch in the final yeah. and scored one goal and beat Liverpool, even though Liverpool were the better team on the night and in the whole competition. But Real Madrid found a way to win. Yeah, and it's all about hard work, determination, and playing yeah. as a team, isn't it? I think one thing I say about Pep is, for me, look what he done with Grealish. Yes, you know, Grealish went to went there. He was a good player mm. who was very much a star for Villa. Everything yeah. kind of went through him, and he had to adapt. And it took Grealish time mm. to adapt to Pep's way. But I actually thought Grealish, when I saw City last year, was the the, the Grealish that you thought he could be, yeah. and proved that that price tag, you know, mm-hmm. maybe stats-wise he didn't get all the assists and all the goals, but a lot of that play now was starting to go through him rather than yeah. solely through the trainer. Um And that's definitely, I think, been a pet kind of influence on him, the fact that he's been sold to not be a greedy player anymore, mm-hmm. like the team is more important. And, you know, like Sean just, like Hugh just said, like, um, I don't like every team winning everything. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it is good, but you can't not admire Pep. You can't not admire City for what they've done. Yes, they've had the money to do it over time, but the way they play football and the way they go about their business is is something to be admired. I tell you the other thing with Grealish as well, he hasn't tried to change him as a person either. He's let him go off in the summer and let him have his blowout and he'll come back and he'll obviously have to get himself back into shape. I just hope he doesn't turn into a gazer. Yeah, I think he started that blow-up literally final whistle of Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> he's just come down again. We've, um, we've briefly just mentioned it, but I want to talk about it a bit more. Um, we, we, did, we still didn't talk about like you know what you'll change with football. You had a few. Oh, I've ago. still got a few more things. I'm ready. <laughs> I want to talk about the Saudi at the moment. Right. You know, yeah. Saudi obviously the league started off obviously because it's something that's quite close to your club. You mm-hmm. know, you're a, yeah. you're a Saudi back to know. Oh yeah, I've got my theory um, on that as well. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, I mean, like last year, obviously, you saw Ronaldo going over there. Yep. And at the time, it was like, he's going for, for the money. Ronaldo was saying, no, I'm going over there to start something. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of been proven in a way yeah. because so many other players are going over there. Where do you see this going? Like, you know, I I'm wasn't necessarily shocked about people like Benzema yeah. going over there, twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. But then when they started getting, uh, you know, people like Ruben Neves from Paul. You know, and, and since then there's been a few other players that have gone over, mm. you know, um and now it's now they're not just getting the ones at the twilight of the career, mm. they're, they're getting like people who are I mean, in Saint like, Maximum. Uh, Saint Maximum, exactly. So where do you see this going? Where do you see the Saudi League going? Is it just gonna implode? Or I don't think so, because I think they've got the resources for it yeah. not to, personally. They've definitely got the resources not to. I mean it the three clubs or four, there's three or four clubs owned. Four owned, didn't they? Yeah, the but they're only owned by 75%. So 25% is owned by individuals. Once they built those teams and they've settled into the league for a year to two years, they're putting them up to auction the team. So then they will oh, really? they will take a step back and they will not be involved in the running of any football club. Yeah, they're just going to be the running of the league. That's going to be their job. The, the whole idea of what they're doing now 
is giving a bit of free independence to the new owners that will come in and buy in the best players they possibly can. Uh, there's two theories that I've got. One theory is we can loan them. <laughs> so it's a way around FFP. I mean, that will, yeah. that will that, be contentious, to say the yeah. least. My other theory uh, is around FFP. Now, yeah. I think the Saudis are doing this not only to improve their league and to get more eyes on, on what they're doing, but if they keep buying the better players at the ages of 24 to 27 and they start taking the stars away from the Premier League, that's not going to look good for the Premier League. It's not going to look good for UEFA. People not playing in the Champions League, not playing in the best league in the world in the Premier League anymore. FFP is suddenly going to disappear. And when that happens, Piff will go, let's do it all for Newcastle now. And I honestly think it's a way of them to move that obstacle out the way Ooh. is to spend all the money in their league that, to that, force that is the a hand. theory. Right there, that is a theory mm-hmm. of basically how to make Newcastle the best team in the world, yeah. pretty much, not just the Premier League. Yeah. Eventually, it'll take a couple of years. It might, it might only take six months. It might take a year. But FFP will start to be relaxed because the know our clubs can't compete with what they're offering. I mean, that's a really interesting theory and it can make sense. I mean, I hope it's not the case, mm-hmm. but I think that again, for me, this is now going to put the Super League back on the agenda. I think the Saudi, what's going on over there, mm-hmm. could then reignite the agenda for the Super League. The fact that the Super League might then come and say, we have to now bring this in to compete with Saudi, yeah. i.e., we know that the Super League had the backing of, of a lot of money in America, etc. Mm-hmm. We know that you know, comparable probably to what Saudi's got, probably not as much, but yeah. we know that this could, I think this could potentially pulse that hand again, where we were three years ago about mm. Super League. Saudi going in hard and quick, yeah. Super League, let's say, actually, if we don't do this now, Europe, European football's dead as we know it. Mm. We need this. And I think that if Saudi continue this way in a couple of years' time, they'll be in a lot stronger foot than they mm. were three years ago because they will say, well, if we're not going to do it, that we're going to lose all these good players to Saudi. Mm. European football is going to be dead. Yeah. But if we do this European football Super League, we're going to be able to attract the best players back into Europe. Yeah. That's the way I see it going. You know, the fact that it's going to give the Super League um, a way in and potentially maybe PIF could invest in the Super League again. <laughs> again, that's my theory around it. Hey, but, it's uh, all possible. The only thing, the reason why I like my idea is that Arsene Wenger did come out and say... Uh, Football teams and owners should be allowed to spend what they can physically spend without putting the club in trouble. So if Piff can say, right, I want to spend 500 million on Newcastle, here's the 500 million. You know, there's no debt on the club. I just want to spend it. They should be allowed to do that. And Arsene Wenger came out and said that. And that's another reason why I think it backs up my theory a little bit because he wants money in football. He wants clubs like Aston Villa could do it. They've got a a very rich owner. Uh, Everton have got a really rich owner. You know, it would stop. FFP is stopping them. And this is my other gripe, is FFP is designed to keep the top six at the top and to keep everybody else punching below them because they don't want anyone to be successful and to ruin the owners that are owning the likes of Tottenham and and teams like that. So that was my other gripe, FFP. I mean, we could probably have a whole pod about Saudi uh, and and But we are moving towards the top of the hour and there's still two important questions that I want to ask your opinion on. This one, I think, potentially could be quite an obvious answer, um, but I'm always interested to see. (laughs) If you could remove one club from existence, who would it be and why? Yeah, that was a tough question, that one. It's not actually easy. Yeah, because it's it's not Sunderland. I would not get rid of my rival because they are the best days you will ever have in your life as watching a derby. Uh, We haven't had one for God knows how long now. They've got six in a row over us, and that's all we keep hearing. Wow. You know, we want to put that right. I've been to a lot of derbies, and I've been in the pub watching a lot of derby games because I couldn't get a ticket at the time. Uh, And they are the best days. They can be your worst days if you get beat, but when you win... My God, are the best days of your life. Start drinking at six o'clock in the morning, baking an egg sandwich, a pint, get yourself in the pub, drinking yourself it's, stupid it's all day. The whole day's either oh, side as well. Yeah. Getting ready for it. Yeah. You know, the build up. Nervous energy. Yeah. 
and then how you're fitting afterwards one way or another. Yeah, yeah there's butterflies. There's no other game that gives you butterflies other than a derby. And obviously, where that's why I say the Liverpool Everton derby is not really a massive derby. They all sit together in the stands. It's it's not for me. You know, you want a, a proper rivalry. I mean, one of the funny stories from the derby was uh, <laughs> Sunderland got beat. They were in the uh, central station waiting for the metro, not the actual train, the metros that, that go locally around Sunderland and Newcastle. And they decided to brick and uh, put all the windows out of this metro, smear crap all over the seats and everything, thinking it was a metro going to Newcastle and it was theirs taking them home. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about karma instantly getting you. Uh, but to go back to the question, who would I get rid of? Who would I get rid of? I would go Everton because they are smug. They think they're bigger than us because they've won a couple of more trophies. They've never been relegated out of the top league and they keep saying that. But even though they finished, what was it? Four from bottom, one point, one point from point. going down, they still think they're bigger than Newcastle right now. So I would get rid of Everton. They are you know what? they are what I we call the some the, they are the Scouse Mackums. That's what we call them. I did not see that coming. Yeah. I think that's also the beauty of what we're trying to do is to yeah. hear these kind of opinions. And it's really weird. Before you joined us um, off there, me and Sean were in a com- a, a little chat, and we were both saying how much we like Goodison as a ground to go really? and visit because well, it's track. old yeah. and all that sort of I'm stuff. I mean, that's not the same for you. I've never been to Goodison, to be honest with you. I had a chance to go once, but I ended up staying at the pub and watching the game. If I had to be in the Everton end, and I didn't want to go in the Everton end to watch a Newcastle game. It was the season we got relegated. We drew 2-2 with them. We were 2-0 down. Uh, But, uh, wow! I mean, it's a very old stadium. Don't get me wrong. It's nice nostalgia and all that sort of stuff. But they're the Scouts Mackhams to us. So, yeah, get rid of them. So I need to put you in touch with a good friend of mine who's a hardcore toffee. So um, that'll be I have I speak to a couple of Everton fans at work. Surprised me, there's some of them in York where I live, and uh, they're nice guys. And there's there's an Everton fan that follows my channel, and I talk to them all the time. And for those people, I, I hope they do well. But deep down inside, I'm like, fucking get rid of them, <laughs> go down. It's time you suffered and felt what it's like to get relegated. I I actually think <laughs> they could go down this I year. Do. Personally, I think that they've not really. I mean, obviously they've got a what. 29, 28 days left of the window to get some mm. players in, but they've not strengthened mm. on last year. I thought they were awful to watch last year. I actually thought they looked worse once Dyche come in. The I know tried. you got them out of but actually as a player, actually their football was awful. Mm. Um, they tried to think... sign uh, Wilfred Nonto and he said no. <laughs> he oh, said, brilliant. Everton doesn't excite me. <laughs> Everton's transfer policy the past three or four years has been shocking. Yes. If you look at it, absolutely shocking. Well, they're struck with uh, FFP, aren't they? That's why we've managed to Nick well, Gordon off them. And he's going to be a player this year, by the way. You watch him. I go. agree. I, I like Anthony Gordon. I think he's a very good player. Um, and again, similar question. Last one I want to ask you. Again, football related. If you yeah. could um, get rid of one player or figure in football yeah. from existence, who would it be? Now, that one's really easy. You still probably won't understand why until I explain it, but Peter Schmeichel. Okay. Another one I didn't see coming. I love it. Without Peter Schmeichel, my United wouldn't have beat us to that 13-point gap in the league. They won so many games, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, and it broke my heart. You get rid of Peter Schmeichel, and my United would have been nothing that year, and they would never have caught us. You see, that I understand. Mm. I get that now. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Can't I love Peter Schmeichel. Don't get me wrong; he's one the, probably the best goalkeeper the Premier League's ever seen, and that's why I get rid of him. <laughs> get rid of your competition and you win. <laughs> well, did you watch the game at St James's Park when we got beat one nil? Cantona scored in that first half. Les Ferdinand had two one on ones with him, and he saved them both. He was just phenomenal that night. And if it wasn't for him, we would have won he's that the best Premier League. I've seen one to one, one on one, yeah. Michael, best keeper I've ever seen. In That's starfish. <laughs> yeah. People have tried to copy that over the years yeah. and just end up getting logged. We son, never got he son did as well, didn't he? Oh, he did get logged in his life. He did get he logged. Did. <laughs> no. Philly Balbert, 5 0. Oh, yeah. yeah. 5 0. <laughs> and then Matt Natissier, when they beat them 6 1 or 7 1, 6 3, the, the following week, <laughs> which was crazy. He's going for a bad patch. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll tell you a crazy stat. Newcastle are the only team to lob both Schmeichels. Yeah, so Philly Balbert did it against Peter Schmeichel and Iosi Perez did it against Peter Schmeichel. Not Peter, what's it called? Casper uh, Schmeichel if, uh, against Leicester. That's a great stat. We're going to have to talk up these stats <laughs> over the series. Baz, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Through Black and White Eyes. Tell us a bit about what stuff you do on there. Yeah, so I started during lockdown because I live in York. I'm from Newcastle. Uh, basically wanted to talk football. Uh, found probably my best mate 10 years ago said you should do podcasting. I was just taking the hat off with daft. I'm too nervous for that. Can't do st- stuff like that. He's too Geordie was just becoming a big thing. And he said, you're better than him. You, you talk football. You see things happen before it happens. You should be doing this. I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing it. 10 years later, I started doing it. And I regretted it every minute saying that I didn't do it 10 years ago. Because I might have been up there at the time. There's, there's loads of us now. It's hard to pick who you, who you like. But all the stuff we do with match watch-alongs, build-ups to games, reviews of games, a few little... Uh, transfer rumour, little videos, things like that. But the most exciting thing I've started doing is I've been getting involved with Newcastle Benfield. It's a non-league club. Uh, they only get like a gate of like 150, 200 people a gate. Yeah. It's a very, you know, they're playing the FA Cup very first round this Saturday. Uh, yeah, proper football. And they do play good football as well. Uh, so I've started doing their match highlights because they've got a camera that uh, follows the game around loads it up to a website so I snip it all out and I do the match highlights for them and things like that so right. it's, it's something quite exciting and something uh, doing something different you know because well, uh, non-league is something that's very close to our hearts as well mm-hmm. so um, you know we um, very much support the non-league yeah. uh, so if you can get us in touch with anyone down there yeah, yeah. Uh, we may be able to you know get in touch with people down there give them a shout out and see what we can do as well yeah. but uh, Baz it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight uh, thank you so much uh, we'll definitely be looking out for your pods this season, Thank and we'll you. definitely be looking out for uh, Newcastle results. Um, well, the first six, first six games are on Sky, so you're not going to miss them. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Well, what's, your, it? what's your realistic prediction for the season, Newcastle? What's your realistic prediction? So I'm not one of these. Go, oh, we're going to finish third, second. We've got a chance of winning the league. Uh, having consolidation, I think six and above would be a great season. And another cup room. And get out of the group stages of the Champions League, even though we don't know who we're playing yet. But I think we could hammer anyone at home. So I think that might just get us out of the group stages into the round 16, hopefully. I think the uh, Premier League's been a lot tighter this year. Oh. I think there's, you know, six, seven clubs who are going to be up there. Yeah, Chelsea you look know, very strong, don't they, now, with a proper manager in and gelling all those quality players that ball. No European football. That's what yeah, I that's said to thing, all yeah. all my fans and everyone that I, I speak to about football. I said, if I was the Saudis, I would love us to finish top 10 last season, finish top eight this season, and then the following season, with no European football, just smash the transfer market and try and buy the league the next for the third season. But because we've done so well this season, it's, it's everyone's getting their high ups again. But I would have said I three years. We're kind of ahead of where Newcastle are ahead Massively. of where people, where the you know yeah. the owners expect, aren't they? Yeah, I mean the owners wanted top four. Don't get me wrong, they were ambitious owners, but I don't think anyone expected what we did. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a weird one. Very quickly, a good example is Leicester. Leicester then he got relegated. They then got the new manager in and went on and won the league, didn't they? We had the same sort of similar form from Christmas. We've we stayed up. We pushed the points, and if you actually total that six months twice, we could have won the league. So the the omen was there. It's just I no one expected it to happen. So we've done really well getting fourth, but top six this season would be a very good finish again. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, good luck, mate. Good thank luck. You. And once again, thanks for um, thanks for your time. Much no. appreciated. Well, you want me back on any time? Just drop me a message. You know where I am. Sounds good, sounds good. We definitely will be doing that. Cheers, awesome. mate. So many thanks to Baz uh, um, through Black and White Eyes podcast. That was a really good chat, I thought. Dr. Q, how about you? Yeah, you should take a look in the links to this podcast. You'll see all the links to Baz's media. Go and listen to Through Black and White Eyes. He's fantastic, especially if you're a Newcastle fan. Even if you're not, he really he knows his football. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's great listening and a great watch. So yeah, go catch up with his stuff.
hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a really enjoyable chat, and I'm I'm sure Baz won't be a stranger to this show. That's for sure. Um, obviously, looking forward. Um, we are between the start of the EFL season and the start of the Premier League season. We're bang in the middle. Um, how are we feeling, gentlemen, about the start of the, the Premier League season? Chapo, what are we thinking? I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. Do you know, it, it's just, it's, it, it's that time of year that, that we sort of, you know, we, we head into the, the football season, all the euphoria starts, all, it, it's just real good fun. It's, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to for us and the podcast to actually get out. We will be, it's not just about the interviews. We're going to be visiting um, a lot of football teams and going to see them, fitting it in and out. So, so mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to a busy schedule. I'm looking forward to having a bit of fun. And I'm just looking forward to, you know, getting back to that that adrenaline rushed kind of um, times and the ups and downs it's going to bring for us. I just can't wait. No, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. I mean, um, we were both at games uh, last weekend, weren't we? I mean, uh, yourself, you were at Charity Shield. Uh, obviously, big occasion. Um, how did you find that? Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, it was interesting to see. It was it was an interesting game, and I don't think that Arsenal played particularly well, actually, on the whole. It was a very cagey sort of game. But it was just great to be a fan in the middle of all of that, to have that many fans at Wembley um, and, and kind of make it our own. Um, and, and the Man City fans are normally very, very vocal. Um, but they, they were really quite quiet. Um, Man City were very quiet, but they always do this. You know, they they always did this. You know, Liverpool made the mistake; they they, they won the, the the you know won against them in the same fixture and then then got absolutely tranched by them. So, so I, I think for me, you know, as an Arsenal fan, it was it's great to watch. It's great to watch the team. It's great to watch the new signings. It's great, to, but it was just great to be around um, the fans again and getting getting back into it and, and all the fun that that brings. So, so can I really gauge anything from it? Not really. Is it a bit of silverware? Absolutely. Um, and did I get mugged by a Man City fan? No. So um, I think all in all, it was just a really, really great day. I, I really enjoyed myself. Happy days. Um, on Saturday, I was actually down in League One. You know, from the heavy heights of Wembley, I was actually down in League One. Uh, I went up to Sixfield Stadium in Northampton and I was in the away end. I was with the Stevenage Borough fans. Or sorry, Stevenage was it, was it raining? Was it raining, mate? Was it raining? It was, I mean, it was damp. Let's just say that. Um, you know, I stupidly wore shorts. I felt like a postman, you know, go out in the rain wearing shorts, you know. Um, yeah, it was damp. But you know what? The mood and being around, I would say, proper, hardcore, devoted fans lifted my spirits, you know. Um, as you know, my, my, my son's a Stevenage fan, you know, so I do travel and watch Stevenage when I can with him. Um, it was our first, obviously, away game of the season, a uh, little trip up, up the motorway, and I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. It was great to be around Stevenage fans, great to be in the away end. Obviously, when you're with the away fans, the, the, the noise is a little bit higher. Um, obviously, Stevenage got a result, 1-0. That was really, really good. So everyone left happy. Uh, I think the one thing that I was a bit perplexed about was the added time, uh, and I think this could be a theme for the first few weeks in the season. Um, they had 11 minutes in the first half and 14 minutes in the second half, and I do not know where they got that time from. It, it was it was a bit ridiculous, you know. I think Stevenage scored in the 80th minute, and you're thinking, right, 10 minutes now, let's hold on, dig in, and they did. They dug in for that 10 minutes, then they put up 14 minutes, and you're thinking, now what? The players were looking at each other like, what's going on? The fans were like, what's going on? And it took a couple of minutes for the tempo to get back up again. It went flat for a few minutes and then, like, you know, people realised actually and then we've got to go for it again. And then Northampton started at them, Stevens went back. But it's going to take a bit of getting used to. You know, I left the ground five past five on a Saturday, which was weird enough. You know, I'm usually in the car by then yeah. coming home. So I think it's going to cause some, some problems, both for, you know, fans and potentially players alike. Um, so I think that's going to be something that's going to have a knock-on effect for all leagues, really. So... Um, whether that will continue, I can't see them changing it after only a few games. Um, I think we could be in for some late nights during the season. I think it's it comes it just comes over to me as a bit half assed to be honest with you. I think if you just uh, you know like rugby does, they just pause the um, timer. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, one one of the bits, and, and I'm sure Q's going to pick up on this. One of the bits that did actually strike me 
when I was watching the uh, you know at Wembley it was just how shocking the refereeing still is. It's absolutely ludicrously bad. Like you know, and and I, I put it out there: if, if you're a referee and you just so happen to come across our podcast, come on and explain to me. You know, because honestly, I think most of you are shocking, like really, really bad. And in both ways, you know, it's, it's stuff that we did to Man City that we got away with that we should have been penalised for. Oh, sorry, no, we were quite heavily. Um, all the, and, the, and there's stuff that obviously that, that Man City did that they weren't penalised for. So, you know, again, shocking referee, no consistency and it's pathetic. You know, a great as a season ticket holder, yeah, as a season ticket holder, I'm going to get another 20 minutes per game. I think as a player, though, this didn't absolutely destroy them. And I, I, I don't understand it myself. I know. Would you? I, can see, I, I think we're going to experience two elements of it. I think if, we are, if we're losing or drawing and you're chasing the game, I think those 10, 15 minutes could be highly exciting. But if you're clinging on to a 1 0 win, it's going to be, you know, stressful, anxiety is going to kick in, you know, more so than it usually would. So I think it's going to be a. Roller coaster emotions to do with that. I mean, if you're winning five nil, the other team are going to say, oh, "Ref, just finish it now." Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah. So I think you know that's a show one under under the wraps. Um, looking forward to the rest of the series. We've got some some great guests lined up over the next few weeks. We've got some some non-league legends. We've got uh, some social media legends. Um, we're also going to be visiting some clubs further down the line as well. So do keep an eye out. For what we've got in store throughout the season don't be a stranger we've got many ways in which you can reach out to us and we want to hear from you we want to hear your stories we want to talk to you we want to hear your rants you know after the weekend if things didn't go your way if you want to get it off your chest you know send us a message send us a voice message whatever it was reach out to us on social media we'll get in touch with you if you if you are genuinely pissed off or angry or happy or over the moon whatever it happens to be even if you don't want to come on the show, right? If you don't want to leave us a WhatsApp, email us. Just e- email us. Like, you know, it's on the website, com. Just email us. I will read it out for you. If you are that lazy or that scared, right? And, and you know, you don't, you agree or disagree with what we say, just email it in. I'll read it out. If it's any good, we'll read it out. Dr. Q gets to read them first. You'll get, so if you get past the Dr. Q filter, you're on it. You're on the show. You don't even have to talk. But if you want to talk, go on the WhatsApp group. There's a WhatsApp number on the website. Just go on the website, on the WhatsApp WhatsApp number. Tell us what you think. Leave us a little message. Love to hear it. Okay? Over it. It's getting red. It's, get, it's getting un, it's unfilled. Whatever you want. Whatever team. There's no, it's not premiership only. It's all the way. So we will be visiting non-league. We'll be visiting Premier League and anything in between. We're going to be there. You're going to hear about it. We're going to have some great guests. I am so excited. And I'm excited to... Be working with these amazing people that we have on the um, on the uh, podcast there. Indeed, it's going to be a, it's going to be a journey. Join us. Cheers, everyone. See you next week. Bye bye.